we creatures of habit or are we capable of breaking our norms for the sake of other people? In today's episode, I reviewed a movie about a man trained as an assassin and ultimately makes a risk that will change his life forever. I'm your host, Christian Ong, and that's my cue. Welcome back, cuties, to another episode of That's My Cue, your one-stop podcast to get the latest reviews on all things TV shows, movies, albums, and games. As always, I'm Christian Ong, your good time host, your feel-good buddy, and don't look at the fire, everything's alright. I know fire is all around you, HBO Max, but don't worry. It's not going to be burning for that long. Holy wow. I know it's the summer of good times and this is another installment in this epic saga, but you know what's not a good time? Not knowing the state of where uh, the industry is at in terms of whether or not you're going to get the movies that you're looking forward to. Not that it necessarily matters to the greater context of the world, but, you know, I think having entertainment that you were looking forward to is a nice escape from the realities of the day-to-day experience. And you might be wondering, what are you talking about, Christian? This doesn't sound familiar to me at all. And maybe you weren't paying attention to uh, entertainment news recently, or maybe you're listening to this in the future and you have no idea what the heck I'm talking about. Or maybe you do because you know the context of it. But... As such, uh, you know, Warner Media just recently merged with Discovery not too long ago. You might know Discovery for its programming on, uh, you know, the Discovery Channel. And I don't really know what's on it. I think pretty sure I'm, I'm like a hundred percent sure. That sounds really confident, but I'm like a hundred percent sure that MythBusters is on it. Google Activate. Let's see, Myth. Busters, not myth usters. I just put an accidental space in that. Let's see. Yeah, the Discovery Channel. Yeah, see, Mythbusters. That's all I know that is what airs on that channel. But essentially, Warner Media and Discovery recently made a big merge. And as such, they've been kind of reshuffling the lineup that they're going to be releasing. So one of the cuts that they just recently made was, of course, a lot of made, uh, cuts made for the CW programming. So if you're a big fan of shows like The Flash, it'll be ending next year. Uh, Riverdale's also going to be ending as well with its final season coming up. And by the way, it's probably for the best that both shows kind of end because they've kind of out, you know, um, stayed their welcome in a way, which is kind of sad because I really liked uh, shows like The Flash when it first premiered. But... What I want to talk about in particular is the Batgirl movie, which was just announced that it was ultimately canceled long after the movie has finished, uh, you know, with its principal photography, the movie's edited and ready to go, but is just going to sit in a shelf within Warner's archive and no one's going to be able to watch it. They're not planning on releasing it in theaters. They're not even planning on releasing it on platforms like HBO Max. You might be wondering, why not? 
And that's what many fans are wondering. Why not indeed? Even the the prequel to the animated Scooby-Doo movie is going to be uh, shelved, even though that was, for the most part, done. I I, I know that uh, each movie cost like combined a, a, like somewhat over a hundred and thirty uh, million dollars, and with no end in sight and actually making that money back, I'm wondering what the heck is going on and. Uh, I, a lot of fans are speculating that uh, HBO Max is going to be receiving kind of an overhaul and possibly merging um, uh, into a platform that blends the discovery aspect of its programming and also all the HBO stuff. They even are, if I recall correctly, they're laying off about 70% of its de- developmental staff. And that's crazy to think. And that's all for most of its scripted shows, too. So who knows where things are going to go. I have no idea why they would even do that because HBO Max, in terms of uh, you know the streaming platforms that are available, it definitely is in like A to S tier compared to where Netflix used to be. And now it's even getting worse than that. So who even knows? But... It's the summer good time, so I like to stay a little positive and, you know, maybe a little level-headed as much as possible. But in any case, let's stray away from HBO Max talk for a bit and let's dive into some things that I'm currently into. And so, first on my list before we dive into today's review is Spectacular Spider-Man. This is an animated show that was released in the early 2000s. Uh, actually, more like the mid two thousands, kind of around the time as uh, is uh, the third Raimi Spider Man movie, and this is possibly one of the best animated Spider Man cartoons to air on TV. I know everyone, like myself, was a big fan of the nineties cartoon, but I think Spectacular Spider Man, you know, uh, inherits that same uh, spirit of the character and a great depiction of who Peter is as a person, but amps it up to another level. If you're a big fan of 90s cartoons like Gargoyles, uh, the same creator is involved with uh, the Spectacular Spider-Man show as well. And he's also, uh, I think his name is Greg Wiseman. Google Activate. Google, you're really getting a lot of shout outs today. Let's see. Spectacular Spider-Man. Let's see who created. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Come on. Okay, there we here. Here we go. Yes, Greg Wiseman. Yeah. So he also developed the uh, Young Justice show, which uh, just finished its fourth season not too long ago. And yeah, it, it blends a lot of the drama of who Spider-Man is while also introducing the characters um within his rogues gallery in a more organic fashion. Like if you watch all the episodes from top to bottom, it flows seamlessly within each other. And I think it even introduces characters like Craven the Hunter or even um, Rhino in a way that feels, uh, you know, uh, organic to the story itself. And I think that Josh Keaton is a perfect voice for Spider-Man. So definitely check it out. It's worth your watch if you're a big fan of the character, and I think it's a great show that is perfect for both adults and kids. So, speaking of Spider-Man, 
all the Raimi Spider-Man movies are on Netflix, at least the first two. I didn't even bother checking for Spider-Man 3, but Spider-Man 2 in particular was always one of my favorites. And if you ask a lot of fans, they'll still say that Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man movie of all time, even if you include Tom Holland or Andrew Garfield's movies as well. But after re-watching it recently, heck yeah, Spider-Man 2 rules. It is so perfectly good in capturing, you know, the struggles of you know, Peter balancing his life. And I think that what makes Spider-Man such a enduring character is that his story really revolves on a lot of uh, dramatic irony. There's a lot of things that um, we know about the character that the other characters don't know. So, you know, he's trying his best to juggle that life in terms of being a good student, being a good uh, nephew to Aunt May being a good friend to to Harry and MJ, while also still having to sacrifice uh, the things that he wants to do with uh, the people in his life versus uh, the life that he pledged as Spider-Man. And uh, it's, it's definitely, you know, uh, such a great movie to show that if he gives one attention to one aspect of his life, another aspect falters. And... It is just a good movie that really holds up. A lot of the CGI, for the most part, still looks really good. Uh, some of the action and some of the comedy is, you know, a little outdated, but it is what it is. I think for a movie of its time, it is exemplary, and I think that the score is just fantastic as well. Now that I think about it, too, just a random thought just popped in my head. I think I did this sort of mentorship program in middle school where I went into like um I, I i was doing some sort of like not student teaching per se but i went into the seventh grade classes as part of this program and i don't know why but i played them either a copy of spider-man 2 and broke it down for them and f or and or final fantasy advent children which i'm pretty sure i did that too and then just spoke about that i don't who let me do this who who <laughs> Oh, man, that movie just really kind of uh, brought back a lot of weird, embarrassing, nerdy memories. Speaking of bring up memories, Kate and I, well, I, for the most part, it was Kate. And then we just end up stopping midway through it. We ended up watching The Mask recently, you know, uh, the Jim Carrey, somebody stop me kind of mask. But um, yeah, I didn't really watch most of it. I was just pooped out from driving. We we're doing some uh, uh, event, sh uh, you know, location shopping for our wedding. So we're just visiting venue after venue after venue. I was just so tired, could not stay awake. So as soon as I got home, we played uh, the mask in the background. Kate was uh, doing some research and I was trying to nap as much as possible. But man, that is just a noisy loud, main, mainly unfunny movie. <laughs> but as a kid, I, I really chewed it up. I really liked it a lot. And there was some aspects in the third act that did kind of burn itself in my memory as being particularly scary. I'm pretty sure if I watch it now, it's not too bad. But yeah, I don't know. The Mask, I know everyone's asking for a sequel. Not the Son of the Mask sequel, but just a Jim Carrey return to form kind of mask. And I think I'll pass on it. I think I'll be in the camp that it's not that great. And I think that's the answer for a lot of, like, 90s movies. Like, 
Um, you know, everyone everyone wanted the Space Jam sequel, and when we got Space Jam: New Legacy, everyone's like, you know what? The first Space Jam wasn't that great after all, and it really isn't. It's 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 barely a movie. But as a kid, who cares? You enjoy it, but and and if that's a movie that you enjoyed in your childhood, like I did, then that's fine. No one's gonna take that away from you. But in any case, let's dive into today's review. Today we're gonna be reviewing the new Russo uh, brothers film. The Gray Man. This movie was released on July 22nd, 2022, and was directed by Joe and Anthony Russo. This movie stars Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Roger Jean Page, Jessica Henwick, Anna Armas, and Billy Bob Thornton. After discovering the, uh, uh, the secrets about the agency that he works for, an assassin known as Sierra Six is on the run. Do you like how short that summary is compared to you know previous episodes and previous weeks you'll find out why because there's barely anything going on in this movie known for directing some of the marvel cinematic universe's top films such as captain america the winter soldier and avengers endgame the russo brothers return to helm the gray man as its directors uh in an attempt to deliver netflix a huge blockbuster franchise based on the novels by mark greeny in fact, other talents from the MCU make a return appearance with Chris Evans as an obvious alumni, as well as bringing in the screenwriters of the Captain America films, such as Mark, uh, uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Yet, while it tries to set up its own franchise and universe, all the ingredients that played into the strongest aspects of the Marvel films are here and present and accounted for, but much of the quality is not. Instead, The Gray Man is a messy, overstuffed uh, action film, jumping from one set piece to the next without really any true coherence and development to its characters. Sure, you have Gosling and Evans uh, spearheading this movie, and they're great in other projects, but much of the dialogue that's given to them is just static and boring, with a lot of the humor lacking any real timing in its delivery, giving a sense of uneven character interactions that ultimately becomes flat and one note. Evans, in particular, is given awkward material that many of his scenes is supposed to come across as charismatic, but instead becomes overacted and disjointed from the rest of the film, which already is lacking in any actual substance as it is. In a way, it feels as if the Gray Man avoids taking any notable uh, any notable risks within the spy genre and instead plays to the usual tropes without forging a definable voice that separates itself, you know, from bigger and better franchises such as the James Bond or Jason Bourne franchises. Instead, it comes across as incredibly generic and uninteresting. That while some of the action scenes may look decent. It just meets the bare minimum of being passable for an action flick. The Gray Man is all noise and no bark. And I'm going to give this movie a 3 out of 10. And you can watch this exclusively on Netflix, but in reality, save yourself 2 hours and 9 minutes. Not worth your time. But let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dive into a listener review, and I'll even send you off with some of bleh. I'll send you off with some recommendations of what movies I think you should watch instead of The Gray Man. I got tongue twisted just there because I have no real excuse. It's just not a great movie. 
We'll be right back. Welcome back. Today on our program, we're talking all about the Gray Man. And as always, I put out the call for weekly reviews from y'all. And this week, we got one. And this review comes from none other than longtime friend and listener of the podcast, Jericho. Also co-host of the Buttery Speaks podcast with Jordan. But Jericho writes, the plot is a whole mess of, quote, okay, I guess we're here now, end quote. I'm assuming we're missing a lot of context from the novel, but it really feels like we get thrown in after a first, ha- uh, first act had already happened. Most of the action is really fun, and of course the cast is phenomenal, even with the material given. If this had been anyone else in this movie, I wouldn't have even uh, been worth a-, a look at all. Chris Evans is amazing in this and really makes the whole movie a good go-around. 10 out of 10, just because it's Ryan Gosling versus Chris Evans. Look, I know I said in my review that Chris Evans was a kind of overacting in some parts. Even though he does that, I do think that he is a standout in the movie, which is kind of saying a lot. And I think it is at least semi-watchable because of him. But I will agree that the missing context about the books is kind of the biggest detriment to the movie. Because I think that any good adaptation needs to introduce... uh, new fans or new viewers at the very least to its characters and at least um, have us care about their well-being. I'll I'll use Harry Potter as an example that those books um, have been adapted regardless how you feel about some movie or not depending on like if you're a big book nerd or whatever but I will say that they are great adaptations because we immediately know who the main characters are. We get to know um, their, uh, you know, their goals and their desires and their flaws as people, and we become attached in the investment in their story. The Gray Man, for example, does none of that, and it just feels like what Jericho had mentioned. We just get thrown in and are expected to care about these characters just because the movie. Uh, expects us to do so but I think that even if you have uh, really phenomenal actors like uh, you know uh, Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling I I think that you also have to build the characters in a way because we are just starting from ground one or or from the ground floor so I don't know I wanted to like it purely because I knew it was going to be dumb fun to just see Chris Evans and uh, Ryan Gosling just go at it and just beat the crap out of each other But it was just more dumb than fun. But you know what isn't dumb or fun? I mean, I guess it is more fun than dumb. It's like 1 o'clock right now. You got to forgive me. (laughs) I have like 1 o'clock brain. But what I'm trying to get at is that here's some, you know, spy movies that I think are great that you should probably watch instead to kind of maybe palate cleanse if you didn't like The Gray Man. And... Starting off my list, I will recommend Mission Impossible Ghost, Ghost Protocol. A lot of the other Mission Impossible movies after this is really good. I really liked 3 for, uh, for the longest time. Uh, that's the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman. My dad and I, we watched that movie a bunch of times in theaters, which is kind of the first time that we ever really did that. I, I mean, sometimes I'll watch movies that I like in theaters just with other groups of people that haven't seen it. But I remember watching it on my own with my friends the first time, and then the second and third time, it was just my dad and I 
just it, we enjoy the crap out of it. But I think that Ghost Protocol is a great follow up to it. And I know a lot of people like Fallout and maybe Rogue Nation. I don't hear a lot of love for that one, but I think that Ghost uh, Ghost Protocol is one of my favorite movies uh, within that franchise. And I think that Brad Bird, who directed The Incredibles, did a fantastic job with this movie as well. Of course, if we're going to be talking spy movies, you got to talk about the uh, king of all spy movies, which is the James Bond films. Of course, you have the Roger Moore era. You have uh, um, One O'Clock Brain. Come on, help me out. We have Pierce Brosnan and the really famous first one. Holy crap. Google Activate. Oh, my gosh. I know everyone's probably screaming at their radio right now or at their headphones like it is um come on come on come on not barry nelson not david niven sean connery come on i i knew that anyways even though those are great actors i will say that for me i grew up of course during the pierce brosnan era maybe those movies are good i need to rewatch those but uh, I fondly remember Daniel Craig because he is the most recent Bond, you know, uh, w- within that franchise. So I, you know, say what you will about some of the movies. I will agree that a lot of the movies are a little uneven, but Casino Royale and Skyfall are bangers for sure. I like Skyfall a little more than Casino Royale, but I remember that when Casino Royale first came out. It set the precedent that it was just really good. I mean, you've probably listened to the Bond uh, ranking tier list bonus episode that I put out a few months ago. But I got to say, Casino Royale and Skyfall, ah, chef's kiss. But uh, yeah, also check out any of the first three Bourne films as well. You can't go wrong with that. Matt Damon's great. And I think that that the cinematography is uh, next level in terms of this genre and yeah, good action as well. But yeah, that's today's episode. If you want to share your thoughts on why the gray man is better and I don't know what I'm talking about, or maybe you also agree, regardless how you feel, feel free to hit me up on Instagram at that's my Q podcast or on Twitter at Q podcast. And you can also email the show at that's my Q podcast at gmail.com. All three platforms are great if you want to suggest on uh, a new title that you want me to check out and you want me to put out a review episode for. Or maybe you wanted to give your thoughts on an old uh, episode, like you wanted to tell me what you felt about the, uh, you know, Hawkeye TV show on Disney+. Plus. You could definitely write that in, send it to me, and I'll still read it on air. But of course, be sure to rate the review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify Even if you share the episode with a friend, all the support is greatly appreciated. But if you can also have them send it to 10 more of their friends and then you also just complete that chain. I know I made the pyramid joke, uh, the pyramid scheme joke a a long time ago, but sometimes a joke no longer becomes a joke. Let's grow the show. Of course, I want to thank J1K for the use of their music, Captured Soul from the School Days B-Tape, which you can find on j1kmusic.bandcamp.com. Speaking of music, the Queen herself came out with a new album. Next week's episode, I'll be talking all about 
Beyonce's newest album, Renaissance. As always, I'm going to leave you off with a quote, and this quote comes from none other than Chris Evans' character. I, I might not have the same charisma as him, but I will deliver the line as follows. Mostly, it's loss, which teaches us about the worth of things. Once again, I've been your host, Christian Ong, and that's my cue to get some sleep. <laughs>